guys. Welcome back to Esthetician on the Edge, the podcast. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, it's actually going to be very a very small amount of me being snarky and sarcastic. I'm going to be doing my uh, first interview. I'm a little bit excited about that. Um, And I was very excited to talk to this person. She's a waxer. I love her style. Her skills are amazing. And she, like me, was once a former teacher. So I thought, what the hell? Let's reach out and see if she'd be willing to do um, an interview. And she agreed. Now I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to preface this interview with a, um, a statement of fact. Interviewing is hard. It is hard via the internet, so bear with me. I am not Barbara Walters, okay? And it's going to become very apparent as this interview goes on, but I'm hoping I will get better at it. Uh, But I did want my first interview to be about waxing because I have a ton of followers who are waxers, and I do tons of memes about waxing, but I don't really cover that topic in my podcast. I mean, if I'm being blunt waxing is not something that I excel at. If I'm being even more blunt, I'm pretty shitty at it. (laughs) My comfort lies in like theory and procedures and ingredients, facials, you know, all of that jazz. That that's my safe space. Um, Honestly, I have no clue why people continue to come back to me when they have a million different options for waxing. It's got to be like my personality or they just feel sorry for me. I don't know. They want to make sure I have food on my table because it ain't my skills. I'm telling you. And uh, honestly, it was a no brainer who I wanted it to be. Um, I do follow her on Instagram. Her grid's amazing. Her videos are incredibly well done. Uh, And she speaks with, you know, a poise and a confidence that I will never have in the arena of waxing. (laughs) That is just a given. So without further ado, I give you the very talented Chloe Amstetz. Chloe is based uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, where she runs a skincare and waxing studio called Naked Skin and Wax. She is steps from the hubbub of downtown Nashville. And like I told you in the beginning, I'm, I'm still learning this interview stuff. I was so winded running up and down the steps to get like headphones and a new microphone Um, that I was a tiny bit winded, so I didn't really record a straight-up intro, uh, and I sure as hell didn't record an outro. So, yeah, we're just going to jump right in with questions, and then I'm going to end on the most abrupt note ever. Be ready to be amazed with my interviewing skills. (laughs) Uh, One more thing, about five seconds after I quit talking, turn your volume down. Uh, Apparently, recording through Zoom makes me sound like the MC at a bad rap battle. You know, like I swallowed the microphone mid-yo-yo-yo. Trust me, just turn it down a smidge. All right, let's get started. (laughs) I suppose I have to stop chewing now. (laughs) Well, I mean, that might add some character to it. Go ahead, chew. Hey, I'm just eating a pita snack. Cool. (laughs) It sounded like you said penis. (laughs) You would think that. Please say penis. Okay. Please say penis in your interview. Please, please (laughs) say penis. All right. I'm going to start with the most important question. What is your favorite meme? My favorite meme, I think, still has to be actually one that you did somewhat recently, and it was the um, 
think the bread baker <laughs> in his you know kitchen where you were talking about what you imagine it looks like in a room when waxers are using wax to dry their wax strips. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you. I mean, I have walked into trainees rooms where there is like a solid quarter inch of wax or excuse me, powder that is like all over every single surface, including the client. And they just walk out looking (laughs) ridiculous. So, you know, if you're using that much wax or powder and you're trying to dry your wax strips with powder, it might be time to consider changing the temperature and the consistency of your wax. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But you know, I did have some people comment that they had never heard of using powder to dry their strips. Oh my gosh. It happens all the time, especially mostly to newer waxers and, you know, for waxers who just weren't um, taught like a a proper kind of pattern or technique because they're just trying to rush rush the process. Yeah. All right. So enough of the, um, you know, my narcissistic behavior. (laughs) Okay. So you work exclusively in hard wax. Why do you think hard wax has become as popular as it has in just the last few years? I think, um, I think that's really twofold. I think that waxing has become more popular in the past couple of years. And the reason that waxing has become more popular is because there are now franchise organizations that focus solely on waxing. And one of those franchise um, companies is European Wax Center, and they use only hard wax. They also are happy to employ new estheticians who have recently graduated and are essentially looking to get hired pretty quickly and kind of explore whether or not waxing is something that they want to do, you know, full time. So I think really what happened is that there are, there was essentially kind of a flood of waxers who went to work for franchise organizations and then decided that working, you know, for those companies or say doing just waxing full-time wasn't for them. And then they kind of hit the market essentially looking for products that worked just as well as those proprietary formulas for those organizations. So other companies noticed that there was more demand for the hard wax because that's essentially how most of them knew how to wax. And so all of a sudden, you know, there's this vacuum where the um, demand, you know, has to be filled. So I think the hard wax just became a lot more popular because there were more estheticians out there who were trained to use it for full body waxing. And that was just because all of a sudden there was big business. There were franchise, you know, organizations who were using mostly, if not solely hard wax. And how long were you with European Wax Center? I was with European Wax Center for a little over five years, I believe. But I kind of transitioned from in multiple different roles. I spent a couple of years in the room seeing clients exclusively and doing what they call kind of like peer training. So I was still seeing clients, but I was helping to onboard um, you know, new employees. Then I transitioned into a position where I was seeing clients, but then I would have days where I was only doing training. And then I transitioned into only seeing clients one day as a week, kind of like as an on like as needed basis, but then really just doing full-time training and then solely into helping hire, train, evaluate, and essentially kind of level up waxers. How was your experience at European Wax Center? You know, I actually had a really good experience at European Wax Center, and I've touched on this in a um Do you think Instagram. it's because your owner was a little bit more responsible? Oh, absolutely. And, and because my owner had had 
you know, companies, um, franchises within the same industry, there was a different kind of understanding of how the company really could and should be run. And they had an entirely different investment in their employees. So I just, I had a very different experience, I think very much because of the owners. But I also was very happy to go to work do my job and then go home and kind of let it be that way for a long time. So I didn't really get involved in a lot of the politics that were kind of happening. And I also was really happy to do the work. So I was one of those waxers that was like, show up, you know, my best case scenario is that my books were full. I was happy to see whomever I could to make money and go home because that's what I was there to do. And it's pretty, it's pretty um, surprising to see how many people kind of go into thinking, that they want to wax full time and then they realize that it's not something that they love, but they hang on and then their work ethic really kind of, you know, plummets and they don't really wind up making a lot of money, but I was really successful in my position there. So it was a good experience for me, but I know that that's not the case for everybody and every owner and every, you know, franchise location, every state, it's all different. So I'm just speaking to my experience in Southern California. Yeah, of course. I, I have seen some people say that they actually had good experiences, but mainly that's a, a no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get uh, that. No. Okay, so back to hard wax. Do, do you think that it really requires like specialized training to wax well with hard wax? Oh, absolutely. And I think most people would tell you um, that it's a completely different I mean, the end goal is the same that you want to apply and remove and have all the hair be gone, but all the things in between, everything about the wax is really different. You know, for me, I spend a lot of time when I'm working with people and and training people on simple things like how to remove the wax from the pot properly, how to get the wax kind of spooled up on the stick in a way that allows you to make a functional strip and what does a functional strip look like. Whereas with soft wax, you kind of get it out of the pot, make sure that it's not you know, searing hot and going to remove, you know, layers of skin, slap it on the body, use your pellet and remove it. And it's entirely different with hard wax. So, you know, you can see a lot of variation in people's um, kind of hard wax abilities, depending on the kind of training that they got and whether or not the person who trained them really understood the differences of using hard wax versus soft wax. You should see me wax with hard wax. It's not pretty. Well, you know, I'm here for you. Yeah. Oh, that is a beautiful segue to my next question. Um, I know <laughs> that you offer one-on-one training. You also do like a digital training. Mm-hmm. How, can you can you give us little details about that? Plug yourself for God's sake. I mean, okay, let's jump right in. So um, I do. I do one-on-one training with people um, who just kind of learn better that way or have a very limited kind of base of knowledge. Most of the time, it's people who have just not had the education that they needed while they were in aesthetics school because very few aesthetics programs include um, Brazilian waxing. And that's probably what I would consider to be kind of, you know, one of my specialties within hard wax. So I get a lot of people who request that. And um, one-on-one is always going to be best, you know, for the most part with hard wax, especially when you're starting out. I do have a video tutorial that's available that gives people access to this video that they can view as many times as they want. And they, you know, get um, a PDF essentially that I created that has really some like the top 
you know, six key things to being successful performing Brazilian waxes that really doesn't have much to do with the wax. It kind of has everything to do with all the other elements of, um, you know, greeting a person, educating them about the service itself, how they are kind of setting up their room and positioning their body and all those kinds of things. And so that video gives people who may already know how to do Brazilians or have had training in the past an opportunity to hear essentially kind of different sets of recommendations and view a different approach in terms of pattern and technique and see if there's anything there that they can apply. I'm really hoping to be able to expand some of the video tutorials that I'm, I'm offering, but you know, as with anything, like this is like a whole other job. And I see, I see clients, like I have a brick and mortar practice, so it's slow going, but I'm going to hopefully be able to kind of continue to expand on some of the more, you know, digital offerings that I have and maybe even a class someday, who knows? Um, any thought about maybe doing some of the larger skincare shows? Do you know, I've never really been in that, um, loop. I, I suppose nobody's actually ever asked either, <laughs> to be honest. Um, if there was an opportunity to attend and it felt like that was something that would be valuable, you know, I'd be happy to do that. But I just, I've, I've not been asked. There hasn't been an opportunity that's come up in the past. And I don't really know that, yeah, I'm, I'm not just not sure kind of, you know, if there's enough value there for people there. There's certainly a lot of other large waxing organizations that have people who are very visible um, who show up to them. So it, it, maybe it could be fun. You know, maybe my partnership with Mermaid might drive that a little bit and maybe Mermaid Wax can show up at some of these shows so we can kind of meet and greet people. Yeah, they, they uh, those wax companies have lots of people who stick their fingers places without gloves that they shouldn't. So I'm sure that they might welcome you at a show with gloves. <laughs> Right. Oh, I'll be I'll be um, covered. I'll have my scrubs on and gloves for sure, no matter what. Okay. And again, another brilliant segue from you without any effort. Tell me what wax you're using right now. Oh, so um, I made a switch a couple months ago to mermaid wax. I was previously using exclusively uh, star pill wax and I just found that I wanted to start to explore some of the other offerings that were out there because there were so many different companies who were developing different hard waxes. And while I really enjoyed the waxes, you know, that I, that I was using and I really found one that I used primarily, I have always been testing other waxes kind of um, out of sight, right? And I had an opportunity to use the mermaid wax. I, I bought a whole bunch of it because I was really curious and it just, it totally blew me away. And I reached out to the company and said, I want to use this wax. I'm super curious about being involved. I want to know more about it. You know, are you open to kind of having a, a relationship? And so um, I've moved over to Mermaid and I've been super happy with them. I love that the company is run by an esthetician who has a very similar background and has had very similar experiences. And so, you know, they're doing it right and they're using quality product and putting a wax out there that is really exceptional. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, which wax would you recommend for someone who is new, but somewhat of a decent waxer? Uh, which, which one of their waxes would you recommend for a beginner? I think for a beginner, their um, professional wax, which is called Poseidon, they have two formulations right now. The professional wax is Poseidon, and they also then have a signature series, which is two colors, but it's the same formulation, and it's Electra and Serena. 
the Poseidon professional formula is a little bit thicker, a little bit easier to control in terms of wax control and temperature. It's incredibly functional and it does a really, really good job. I feel like for newer waxers, waxers who are new to hard wax or are attempting to start to use hard wax on the body, that that's probably the most user-friendly formula. The Signature Series is a bit more pliable. Um, it does it spreads really easily and a bit more thinly, but you just have to have a slight, you have to have a different um, comfort level in your technique because um, it just requires a slightly different kind of approach in, in using it on the body. I think the Poseidon is probably where most new waxers or people who are exploring hard wax would want to start. Or shitty waxers. Okay. I'll, I know which one to get now. Thanks. So you would be using Poseidon then. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm more comfortable with uh, soft wax. So hard Fair. wax is, yeah, it's not my thing. It's really not my thing. Well, most of us weren't trained to use hard wax in this way. You know, most of us, when we went to school, you know, 10 plus years ago, hard wax was reserved for Brazilians and underarms and soft yeah. wax is everything else. So yeah. But clients are so aware now if you go to dip into that soft wax they lose their fucking mind what is yeah. that where's the <laughs> where's the pink wax i know and everybody always thinks that there's some sort of correlation with oh. color that, that changes you know that varies from company to company and yeah. you know I, but honestly there's part of me that would say like if you're not comfortable with hard wax and you're more comfortable with soft i want you using whatever you're most comfortable with you are damn That's skippy you do Trust yeah. me, <laughs> unless you want to lose a brow and on to the next question. <laughs> so speaking of the industry as a whole, what, what is one of your biggest pet peeves that you have? And it could be anything. It could be something about skincare, about ordering, waxing. You don't, don't feel like I've, I don't want you pigeonholed into just waxing. All right. Well, I mean, I think no, I think my biggest pet peeve has to do with waxing. <laughs> my biggest pet peeve <laughs> is absolutely kind of the over-sexualization of the waxing industry. It Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind what waxers or estheticians or even cosmetologists are willing to use essentially to kind of sell their services. Like we are essentially, um, you know, we're coming up on holidays where we're celebrating or supposed to be, you know, um, loving on our loved ones. And so like all of a sudden around Valentine's day, you know, you get, you see all of this advertisement that's all about like, you know, get your Brazilian done for your partner, man or woman, whatever. It makes no difference to me. And I just, I totally resent that because for me, like waxing is a personal, it's a self-care choice. And I do that for myself. Like I don't do it for anybody else. And, you know, that's just kind of how I choose to remove the hair on my body. And it just really drives me nuts. It irks me that we are constantly seeing female body parts all over all of these advertisements where we're essentially using women's vulvas as marketing material. <laughs> like what you see all over Instagram, it's like, it's clickbait essentially. We're using these sexualized images to sell you know, a service that we do. And there's just nothing sexual about the service, in my opinion. And it totally degrades what I do as a professional, because I feel like that kind of stuff is what feeds those questions and those comments that come from people that are like, oh my God, I can't believe you do this all day. Like, is it so weird that you're, you know, staring at my or touching my body parts and that kind of stuff? And I'm like, 
no, you know, this is what I do professionally and I do it well. And that's what makes it feel kind of dirty or inappropriate when people ask those kinds of questions because of the way it gets sexualized in, you know, in media. So I feel like, you know, you, you should be able to be proud of what you do as an esthetician. If you've decided to specialize in waxing, then treat it like a specialty because there's a lot of other people out there who don't know how to wax really well. And I just really resent that there's always this kind of sexual overtone, you know, get your kitty pretty or whatever. It drives me. Don't start with the names. I hate the stupid names people have. I mean, it's bad enough that I make fun and call it a vajayjay or a (laughs) vajay. But my God, people that call it coochie or thank you. That is such, yeah, I can say all kinds of other C words, but for some reason that one just crawls up my, I I just can't stand it. Yeah. I could do without all of them entirely. (laughs) I agree though. I mean, it's not just women looking at these pictures. It's, it's men too. And unfortunately not all men are good men, you know, and why do you want those types of men on your page and then perhaps even DMing you or, you know, texting you for a service. Yeah. I just, I, I don't get it, but I mean, there was hair. Now there's not hair. Yeah. Yeah. The only before and afters I really enjoy. I'm not going to lie. I like a good nose wax before and after um, and a a brow. And if someone has a full on mustache, I love to see that shit too. That is a good one. That's a pretty satisfying one. Yeah. That's one thing, hard wax, and I, I cannot get the hairs off of a lip for love nor money. <laughs> well, I mean, I would tell you that tension and pressure are probably your problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, would tell, anyway, yeah. I would tell you it probably fucking isn't. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about your grid. Your grid's super pretty. Uh, I do follow Thank you. you. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I can't wax. So I like to watch people who can wax actually do it. Um, <laughs> it's one way to start. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the only way I, you know, I'll never, I'll never learn how to wax properly. Um, but how long do you spend creating content for your grid and for your stories? Um, it's a lot. There are hours, you know, every week. And I think, you know, kind of like I had mentioned before, um, it's not the only thing that I do. You know, I have a business where I'm seeing clients. And so that can get really tricky. I think that's probably the number one reason why there are kind of ebbs and flows in content creation, at least for, you know, people who are smaller, have smaller businesses um, and are kind of doing all the work themselves. Because, you know, if you don't have something prepped and ready to go, it, it takes a good chunk of time to sit down, to edit, to, you know, create. And um, as much as we love doing it, it's a whole other job kind of, well, you know, you know, making memes. Like it's, it's crazy the amount of work that goes into um, essentially keeping our social media pages going because there's now there's an expectation. Now there's a following. There are people who are hoping for and expecting to see content from you. So it's pretty significant. It is, it is a whole other job. It takes a lot of time to create the memes, um, the podcast. I can't even begin to tell you how long that takes. Oh, my God. I can't imagine, honestly. (laughs) Uh, Listening to my own damn voice over and over, you know. You're not Southern, so, you know, yeah, I get tired of hearing Southern. (laughs) I I get tired of hearing Southern. Um, I think we all like your Southern, though, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that, but, yeah. Um, But I get a ton of DMs. And I don't do anything remotely educational. I can only imagine 
how many DMs, because most of your, your material is geared toward education because you, like me, were an educator. Right. Um, so tell me, is, is that a problem? Do you have like a bazillion DMs you haven't gotten to yet? You know, in fact, at this moment, I'm feeling pretty on top of things because I took, I took like two days this week um, to kind of get on, on top of them. They build up really, really quickly. And here's the thing, like you mentioned, you know, I essentially kind of started my Instagram page as a place for information and education because I felt like I, I knew that my wax education was total shit when I was in aesthetic school. And so I felt like I had enough information and experience that I could be sharing with people to help them essentially avoid the same pitfalls and lessons that I had to learn in a really hard way. So I've always maintained that my page was about, you know, education. And so I do, I get a lot of DMs you know, at first it was always really exciting to get the DMs because it meant that there were people who were watching and paying attention and, you know, were looking for more information. But I have to say over time, I think what happens is information you've talked about before gets further down your grid. People spend less time on your grid looking for information. And so you wind up getting a lot of repetitive questions. And I totally understand that people can't watch every single video. They can't, you know, read every single comment. Um, but it is a little challenging, you know, when you get DMs that are asking you what kind of wax you're using, when that's something that is very front and center, I feel like, in most every post. You know, yeah, oh my God, look at the fucking grid. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And of course, like I can't, I can't say that to people because I'm glad that they're there. You and I should wanna... say that to people, <laughs> people that are listening. She should say that to you. No, I have, I have you to say that to people. Thank yeah. you. So, you know, but yeah, it's just a little challenging. So for me, kind of, I'm at this place where I'm really happy to answer as many questions as I possibly can that are kind of quick responses. I feel like what I'm willing to put out there as free information is pretty significant given kind of the size of my grid. But there does come a point where, you know, multiple questions make me have to stop and think like, how much time is it going to take for me to respond to this? If I, you know, am taking the time to respond to this, what would that look like in terms of my, my cost and my time if I was seeing a client? And even if it's not happening during my day in between clients, then it's potentially time that I'm taking away from being, you know, with my family. So like I said, I always want my grid to be a place of education and kind of like free information for people. But when I have people who have reached out in the past who have multiple questions, like fundamental questions about hard waxing, can't come and do a training, but need to kind of troubleshoot some problems, I schedule consultations with them. And so that's what I've been offering for people is, you know, telephone or um, what is it like Zoom or FaceTime or whatever to schedule telephone conversations, you know, that way or interactive conversations that we can really kind of target what their actual challenges are and then really tailor the information that I'm giving back to them so that it's not just me trying to quick respond to get through the DMs, if that makes sense. Yeah. So basically you need to start charging a consultant fee because that's what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what those consulting appointments are for. Just, and that way, you know, your DMs, people's DMs won't just sit in that DM box forever because it feels really awkward. I'm sure this happens for you too. When you go to respond to a DM and it's like three weeks later or four weeks later, and it just, it's because the questions that they asked required so much more attention or detail than you had in that moment when you first saw it. Yeah. Yeah. My only problem with DMs, usually mine are, you know, funny stories, which I love, 
but I do get some occasionally they're wanting me to make life decisions for them. Yeah. And I can't do that. I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know your circumstances. So yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's um, to me, it's really interesting. I think it says a lot about what's, you know, estheticians aren't getting taught in school, uh, whether that's yeah. on the, whether that's like on the aesthetic side of things or on the business side of things, which I think we are, you know, really missing um, in our um, aesthetics programs. But yeah, I mean, there's, they're so undereducated. They just really don't prepare students. I don't feel like, I'm not sure kind of what it was like where you taught, but it just feels like, you know, we could never have enough time or have enough information to be able to share with students in the amount of time that we had them. Yeah. And I, you know, I hate to always blame it on the schools because you, just like you working for a school, and I, I know that there's a limited amount of time. Um, but I mean, come on, schools are, you, you teach to test. That's what a school is. But I also think it's really hard for schools to keep up with trends, business trends, because commissions constantly changing. You've got this hybrid structure now. I actually had someone DM me about a hybrid structure pay I had never heard of, and I would not work for them. But she had to meet, she had to meet a goal, but she still would not get her commission if the spa salon as a whole did not reach their goal. Oh, hell no. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what is that even legal? Like, I don't know. I, I, I would not, as a teacher, not being in the industry, I would not have heard of anything like that. So sometimes I feel like, you know, teachers kind of, we're, you're stuck in wherever you entered school. That's yeah. where you're stuck at as far as what you know about commission and, you know, things like that. Absolutely. No, I think you're dead on there. Okay. So I know that you made this switch over to mermaid wax. How long have you been using it now? A couple months. I was using it for a while and just not talking about it because I I really wanted to vet the wax. Like I wasn't going to just make this change just to make a change. So I feel like, um, I want to say it was like August or September maybe. Shoot, is that not right? It's been a chunk of time now that I had been, you know, using it on my clients kind of full time, but I want to say it was August or September. Yeah. On social media, you you used to rep Star Peel, right? Yes. They okay. call them brand ambassadors. Okay. Yeah. Whatever the hell they call you. Okay. <laughs> so my question, I've seen recently, like I guess maybe two weeks ago was the first time I saw it. They have, and I follow you, you know, I told you I follow you. So I know that, I don't know what it was like a year ago, maybe a little bit longer that you did, you Frankenstein some wax and basically... Um, and you called it Blink. Um, yeah. yeah. So I saw like right after you left Star Peel and started repping for uh, the Mermaid Wax that they released a lovely black wax <laughs> to take <laughs> the place of the um, concoction that you created. How, how do you feel about that? <laughs> she wants to go there. Yeah, I actually <laughs> do because I would <laughs> Bad as fuck. Well, look, I mean, I had a really amicable kind of parting of ways with Starpill. It was, um, it was on, it was my choice. You know, I wanted to be able to start offering people more information about other waxes. I didn't anticipate kind of finding one that I would fall in love with, you know, so quickly and kind of, you know, want to be a part of that organization. But, um, I, I we left on amicable, you know, to, or I left, excuse me, I parted ways. 
in a really good way. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's really kind of you to kind of give me all the, like to give me credit for, you know, blink. Um, I'm sure I probably wasn't the first person to accidentally get some blue and pink in the same container or do it on purpose. I think I just was the first person who really started using it very consistently that way. And I got really tired of call having to type out blue and pink mix and it just kind of happened that I called it blink and I think it became really popular because what I felt was so good about the mixture of the two waxes together was that it was very similar in terms of consistency texture and function to European waxes uh, their proprietary blend so given that so much of you know this uh, popularity in hard wax comes from all of these waxers who used to work for their organization that had to resonate with a whole bunch of people. So, you know, they had said that they were never going to package it that way. And it, you know, that's, that's fine. People were able, you know, to mix it. I think people can buy, there's like a bundle, you know, now that they can basically buy a bundle of blink. Um, I was a teeny bit surprised. I did see that same marketing effort on their end where they said black is the new blink. I'm certainly one of those waxers who has been dying for a black wax because I just don't get into all the pretty feminine stuff. I would love a black wax. But um, yeah, you know, I've not used it. I can only surmise by the fact that they said the black is the new blink that it has essentially that formulation um, and functions pretty much the same way. So I don't know, uh, you know, I I don't at this particular moment have any um, major interest in trying it, but I certainly get a lot of people asking me and I just kind of have to kindly tell them that it's not something that I'm, you know, using at this point and, you know, they'll have to try it out and see if it functions like the blink. But, you know, I mean, Starpill can, they've gotten a lot of waxers helping to, you know, talk about their product and give them a lot of information and good on them. They saw a need for a different formulation. And so I guess that's the black wax. Yeah, they saw a need for the formulation you created. That's awesome. (laughs) You're a much nicer person than I am. I'm just going to say it because I would have been up their ass. I'm going to leave it right there. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. So the the that's all of the serious questions that I have. Okay. So I'm going to end all of my interviews with a uh, quick little personality analysis. I want to kind of see the face behind your pretty, pretty grid. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Tell me when your last facial was, like a true facial, not one that you did yourself. Oh, Lord. Um, I couldn't tell you, honestly. Um, I don't know if it counts as a facial, but I had like microneedling done like last year. Yeah, it's bad. Um, You know, I'm just not one of those people now that can like jump on a table and have people work on me. I mean, I truly go through so many steps steps every night and every morning that it's kind of hard to justify going and getting a service. Although it would be kind of nice to try out some different things. I just would have to, you know, find the time to make that happen. Um, and you know, go somewhere where I don't have like former students who are working. Cause that always freaks me. Oh, that's so yeah. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a hot minute. Let's yeah. That's all I can say. I, I literally cannot tell you when the last facial was that I had. Yeah, I think my last one was like in school back in 2007. <laughs> okay, I'm not the only one then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't like facials. Full disclosure, I don't. I, I prefer to do my own things. I don't like other people touching my face. And I know that sounds very strange for an esthetician, but there it is. I don't know. It may not be that strange because I'm kind of the same way. So maybe, you know, maybe a lot of estes feel that way. Yeah, because <laughs> we know what goes on behind the scenes. That's why we don't want people touching our face. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What is your current moisturizer that you're using? 
My current moisturizer is from a line called Lexly, and it is their um, Simply Hydration. It's kind of like what I call their Goldilocks formula. It just has a really silky kind of lightweight um, finish to it, but super hydrating. You know, their whole line, um, the number one ingredient is always uh, pharmaceutical grade organic aloe. And I've been using their line for over 10 years now. And this is my favorite formulation from them. It doesn't have a sunscreen, but I find that I, you know, most people should be separating that step out anyway. So that's my fave. It's the Lexley Simply Hydration. Oh, what's your favorite sunscreen? I love sunscreens. Um, I actually really have struggled to find sunscreens that I love, but I found one from um, this company called Hale and Hush. I just love the way that it finishes. It almost kind of, it's all physical and it's 13.6% zinc, I believe. So solid amount, um, but it doesn't finish, you know, super ashy. It has a nice texture to it and it kind of almost is like a primer under my makeup. So I really love it. Oh, let's talk about uh, some more beauty stuff besides skin. Volume or classic lashes? Mm, This one's going to surprise you, but I'm definitely a volume lash girl. (laughs) Um, With the shaved head, I feel like I have to have a fair amount going on to offset the stark lack of hair that I have. So I do like them to be kind of fluffy. So I'm a volume girl. All right. And let's talk about your drinking habits. I'm a drinker. Are you a drinker? Cheers. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So are you a wine, beer, or liquor girl? Uh, Wine. And are you a red or white? God, red. Red. Yeah. You know, I feel like I I should broaden my horizons with white, but I just can't. I haven't found any I like. No. No. Yeah. I'm a red wine, red wine girl. Yeah. What is your favorite Starbucks order? Um, Dirty chai. That's kind of been my, my new fave. All right. I think that's it. Nice. Praise Jesus. And there you go in all its glory. (laughs) And I sounded desperate there at the end, you know, the the whole prayer to Jesus, (laughs) because we had already recorded the entire interview. And I, um, yeah. I deleted it by accident. <laughs> That's me, the consummate professional. But she was kind enough to, to find time in her already packed schedule to redo the interview for me. So thank you, Chloe, for being patient with me. That's all the time that we have for today. I, I know this was a longer episode, so thank you guys for staying tuned in. Thank you for listening and subscribing and for all the great reviews and ratings. Please keep sending me your topic ideas and your feedback at estheticionontheedge at yahoo.com. As always, wishing you a Pam-free week. See you next time. <laughs>